Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net. If you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. We live in a very uh, strategic and influential time in the history of our nation. Uh, when we began as a nation, uh, people didn't really pay much attention. Really, the Brit- British people thought that this would just be something they could control, and they were surprised when we revolted. But the truth is, God has had his hand. If you study the pilgrims and the things that they established as their foundation, you're going to see why it flourished into who we are today. But the truth of the matter is, and just like in all the nations of the world, over time, if that truth isn't uh, re-given, if it's not repeated, if it's not taught clearly, it'll be lost. And so today we're going to talk about how do we as a church, how can we make a positive change within our nation? How can we be part of the solution? And so here you're going to see a picture. If you want to go a few years back, I went on a trip to Haiti. Haiti's a very interesting country. If you've ever been there, it's an amazing place to go. Um, Some of the most amazing, that's me. Uh, I was a younger guy then. But you know, in Haiti, one of the things that surprised me the most is 80% of the, the people in Haiti are part of the Catholic Church. But at least half of the nation also practices voodoo. And so voodoo has its origins in, in African mysticism, the belief that spirits are what we all are, and there's an there's a, uh, attraction to the unseen dark realms of this universe. And so voodoo is very popular. And what surprised me the most is how many people that attended church also at evenings would participate in sacrifices, they would uh, participate in voodoo activity, that they didn't see anything wrong with both participating in the church during the day and in voodoo during the night. And unfortunately, I feel like there's the same practice today, even here within our nation, that many people attend a church or many people go to church but live in a completely different lifestyle the rest of the week that counter, uh, is almost counterintuitive, the opposite of what we talk about, what it is to be a follower of Christ, what it is to be the light and the salt of the earth. And I believe it's the church's responsibility to bring truth, to stand strong on truth, to share with children truth, uh, to teach the principles that we've been taught through God's word. We have sa- we've been saved by grace. Christ died on the cross. We don't have to earn salvation. But we've been saved to share an absolute truth, a truth where, where, where people are valued. The reason that we were established is that we have inalienable rights that were given to us by who? Our creator. This was all built on a strong foundation of truth. And so this morning as we come together, we want to declare this truth as a church uh, and recognize that it's very easy for falsehoods to come into the church and distort a church and falsehoods to come into a nation and distort a nation, falsehoods to come into our family and distort families, that these false teachings and false beliefs uh, bring death with them. They bring division with them. They bring destruction with them. And we need to stand up and be willing to be brave and stand for truth and be willing as a church to recognize where we failed and where we need to put more emphasis as we move forward. And so today we're going to continue that question. What can the church do to make a difference in the world? What is God's purpose for his church today? How can we live into that purpose as individuals and as a family and and also connect with other believers within our community to do this? So before we go into that, let's precede this time in prayer. Father God, thank you for another amazing day to be alive. 
Thank you for the gift of oxygen and the gift of gravity. Thank you for the truth that um, you know our days. You know everything about us, and you love us and desire to be in, in communion with us today. So, Lord, I pray that whatever is distracting us, whatever is pulling us away, whether it's something from within, something that's on the outside, Lord, that you would take that from us so that we can be completely in tune with what you have for us. Lord, we pray that we as the church, the body, not the building, but the people, um, would be completely committed to your word, that we would not be about popular opinion or um, those who have convincing speech, but, Lord, that everything we do would be based and built on the foundation of your word and that we would follow that in every way and every aspect of our lives and of the church. And Lord, we ask that you would guide us, guide us as we listen to your word, guide us as we consider these things, speak to us individually, give us peace, correction, encouragement, and passion. Help us to love you more today. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would speak in a new way, that they would recognize that you love them, you care for them deeply, that you're calling them by name, and if they will receive you, they will be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be open to that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So just like in Haiti, there was the issue of voodoo in the church uh, in Paul's time when he was writing most of the New Testament, and even in Jesus' day, there was a growing belief system called Gnosticism. And some of you are familiar with the Gnostic Gospels, Gnosticism, that there is a view uh, in that time in the first century that basically everything is spiritual. So the physical is evil, the spiritual is good. So in a sense, Jesus was never actually a physical person. He was always completely spirit. And what we saw was a reflection of uh, him that he was never truly flesh. And so there was this debate within the church. Unfortunately, this undermined much of what was going on in the church, and it caused a lot of division and distraction, and it really hurt the church in the first century. And so if you read a lot of the New Testament, you see Paul dealing with these false teachings about about Jesus, about the really the, the origin and uh, the reality of what we live in today, that there is both the physical and the spiritual. They both exist. And that God was a hundred and Jesus was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. He was both spiritual and physical at one. And so as we look at that, we have to recognize the only way we come to that answer, the only way we get to that uh, equation equaling that answer is by God's word. Not the enlightened age, not Plato, not Socrates, not all these smart people, but it was God revealing who he is. It's God revealing his truth to us. It's God saying, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is where you came from. This is why you're here, and this is where you're going. And it's God's word that reveals that. That's the revelation. Uh, when God spoke through these people, he, he gave them what to write down. He inspired them through his Holy Spirit to write to you and me so we would have strong, uh, a strong basis for how we live our lives. We understand where we come from. We understand who we are, and we understand where we're going. And anything that would come into that to dilute it, anything that would come into that to deviate from that needs to be dealt with. And so Paul had to deal with this in the church. Paul had to deal with these false views that were entering the church and disrupting and dividing. And so he did, and he was very uh, forthright, and he, he was very uh, passionate about making sure the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ was clearly given and that God's word had been rightly divided and understood. 
And so as we look at this, this idea of what divides, what has brought really um, issues within our country, we see that same division as we look at uh, just the belief systems that we see around us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross is foolish. You know, the world thinks this is outdated. They think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Why would you waste your time doing what you're doing? All this has been disproven. Science shows that it's all wrong. The world says God's word is not God's word. There may not even be a God. The world says that what we do at this moment is foolish. To gather together, to, to join each other, to be partnering together, to share this, this message is foolish to the world. And so we need to recognize that. We shouldn't wonder that people think, oh, why would you go to church? Why would you believe all those things? Because the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Without the Holy Spirit of God living within your heart, this will never make sense. If you grew up in the church and you were told about all these rules and you're told about heaven and hell and you knew in your mind the concepts of Christianity, but you never received the Holy Spirit into you, this will always never make sense. This is foolishness. If you're lost, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't made that commitment, I understand this is boring and dumb. Because it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit and through him showing you his truth, revealing it to your spirit, will this ever really make sense? And when it makes sense, it's the power unto your life. Because it gives you direction. It gives you your origin. It gives you your purpose. It gives you your destiny. But until we come to that place where we've been born of the Spirit, where I have received the gift of salvation, where I know that God and Spirit lives within me at this moment and speaks through me and speaks to me, Will this ever make sense? And so we should never be surprised when people think we're dumb. We should never be surprised when the world says that's outdated, that's old, that's, we don't believe those things anymore. We've disproven all. Okay, that makes sense to us. We shouldn't be surprised. The challenge is when we have issues within the church because they do arise. And we see these revealed even in, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2.12. It says, To the angel of the church of Pergamum, write, these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And we, we go down to verse 14. There are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught of Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also, also you have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans, repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And so if you don't know, this is in the beginning of Revelation. This is Jesus speaking to these seven churches and he's making a declaration. He's saying, there's some good things about you. You've stood firm and that you've had a lot of persecution, but I do hold some things against you. You've let a group of people that have taught the absolute opposite of the truth. You've let false teaching into the church. People in the church are worshiping false idols. They're committing sexual immorality. They are moving away from the truth that I have revealed to you through my word, and they have allowed this other view, this worldly view, this kind of a secular humanistic view to enter into the church. And he says, if you don't deal with it, then you'll be fighting me. And so as a church, as a pastor... This is significant. This makes me take a step back and think, as, am I allowing any falsehoods into my teaching? 
Am I allowing any falsehoods into our church? Are we as a church letting any falsehoods enter in? Is the world saturating into us and we're conforming to it? Are ideas that are not built through scripture um, being born within our church? Because when that happens, it brings death and destruction and division and despair. And so we have to be vigilant and we have to be honest and we have to say, when we make a decision, is this because the Holy Spirit of God through his word led us to this decision or because it's pragmatic or because it's popular or because we all think that that's the new and, and, and exciting thing to do? And I struggle with this as a pastor because it's not as easy as it sounds. Sometimes, unfortunately, we let things in that we shouldn't let in. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be committed because the answer is there. The problem is clear. False teaching is making its way into the church around the globe. There's false views, false beliefs. Just go anywhere. There's false views that get brought up into church. How do we guard against that? How do we protect our families, ourselves, our, our body? How do we protect? What is the answer? Well, here's the answer. John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And so this is saying at the initial onset of belief, it is to trust what? It is to trust God's word. That when we allow God's word to be the center focus, and we say here a lot, if you're part of our meetings, we are Christ-centered, Bible-based. Christ is the center of all we do, and we learn about Christ through the Bible, so we are Bible-based. The Bible is the foundational tool with which we use. Today I'm teaching a class called First Steps, our, our starting line, and what we talk about is literally everything I say has a Bible verse that validates it. Why? Because I don't want it to be Mike Bailey's opinion. I don't want it to be the opinion of the newest church fad. I want it to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, that this is all built on the foundations of Scripture. Scripture is, uh, is timeless because the God of Scripture is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His words, even when we don't understand them, even when they don't fit into my ideals, are true. And so I have to make a decision. In all of Scripture, will I submit to the God who has given us Scripture, or will I determine what truth is? Right? Will I submit as a church, will we submit and say this is God's Word, and we trust it, believe it, and we'll practice it? Or do I know better? Or does someone else know better? Or is there greater wisdom in this world that I should follow? We have made a decision as a church. There is no greater wisdom in the world that we should follow. There is only one source of truth, and that is God's word. And so we commit ourselves to it, and we say it's by the power of God's word that lives are transformed. Marriages are healed. Addictions are overcome. Uh, communities are transformed because of the power of God's word. It is the power of God's word that the gospel is declared, that people hear, I'm lost in sin. I'm separated from God eternally, but God loved me enough that he would come and die on a cross, be dead for three days, raised from the grave, so that I can have eternal life based on what he has done for me. I don't get that because that was a story told me. I don't get that because it was an idea I came up with. Those are the words of God recorded for all people to hear and know and what we're called to share around the world. And so we're Bible-based. We believe when you believe the word of God, what it says here, you will not be judged, but you will cross over from death to life. 
Do you have life today? Have you crossed over from death to life? There's only one way I believe you can cross over from death to life, and that is putting your faith and trust in the God who came to earth as a man named Jesus, died on a cross, and rose again. That's the only place I find life, and that's what we've committed to as a church. And so the Bible is the source of truth for us. The Bible is our foundation. It's not an opinion. We can really have, we can vote on everything and say, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? No, it's what God says. What does God say is what we do. 2 Timothy 3.16 is why he gives us an amazing scripture here. He says this to us. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. we got to learn. Rebuking. I need to be rebuked. Correction. I need correction. We need correction. And training in righteousness. You know, we've had a season in the time of our, in our nation where righteousness was being trained. There was right living. People were doing things the right way. And I'll give you some examples. When people did business with other people, it wasn't about how much money they could make. It was about doing an honest deal. It was about making sure that it was equal. You win, I win, we win. But over time, we've moved away from that idea. And now it is how much money can I get from you when I sell you a car, when I sell you a house, when I sell you something, when I start a business, how much money can I get from you? I don't care if it's a win-win. I just want to win. And when a country and a nation and a people decide that the only one that matters is how much I get, the system breaks down and gets destroyed. Prices go up, depression goes up, happiness goes down. Because these principles aren't just principles that are lofty ideas we talk about in church. This is our life. This is what you pay at the grocery store. This is how your neighbors react. This is what happens with laws around our nation. Have you ever seen how many pages go into any legislation in our nation? Do you know why there's so much bureaucracy? Do you know why there's so much confusion? Because we've moved from the place that thus says God, this is what God says, this is our foundation. We have 10 basic principles given to us. Let's live into those. Let's not uh, undermine our neighbor. Let's not uh, lust after or want what's not ours. Let's do things for the benefit of everyone. Those are the principles that God gave us. When we live those out, there's prosperity, there's happiness, there's joy, there's healthy families. All of these things are connected. But when we determine that we're going to do it our way, and I'm going to get as much as I can, and we build a community, and we build a whole society around selfishness and self-centered viewpoints, it breaks down, and we're beginning to see that breakdown. And people are miserable because it doesn't work. They need a, a better foundation. We need a better foundation. At some point in the last 40, 50 years, we said, look, the foundation is not God's word. The foundation is the opinion of smart people. And when we said the opinion of smart people is where we're going to build everything, now we're reaping what we planted. And the church is the answer. The answer is that God established through Christ is his church to come in and share the good news. The good news that for everyone who seeks the Lord will find him. And when you find him, he radically changes your view of life. It's no longer just about me. It's about how I can love another person greater than myself. How can I support my neighbor, not how can I get from my neighbor? How can I support my community, not what can I get from my community? It's a completely opposite perspective on how to do life. And it's the responsibility of the church to declare it.
It's the responsibility of the church to stand up in the marketplace, in the community, and say, yes, there's a lot of mess around here. Yes, there's a lot of hurting people. Yes, it doesn't seem like anything makes sense. But God loves us. He desires to be the one we focus on. Will we repent and believe and follow him? Or will we reject and go our own ways? The finishing of that verse in Corinthians, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The end of the verse is this, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Do you know what powers our life as a church, as an individual, is God's word. It powers us. It's an amazing thing to put your, hand, put your life in the hands of God. Say, I'm not going to worry about anything in my life. I'm not going to worry about the things everyone else worries about because I'm in the hands of God. My foundation is him, not my ability, not the abilities of my uh, culture, whatever they can provide. My faith is not in the economy, in the government, or any of these things. It's in God through his word that he declared. You know, the amazing thing for you to do is go through the Bible and see how many promises God has made to you as his child. Now, will you receive those promises? Will you believe those promises? And will we declare these things to the nation? On the front of your bulletin, it has one of the declarations we're going to give on the National Day of Prayer. And this is the declaration of the church. And here's what it says. The word of God is our final authority in all things, and that our obedience to his word by the empowering of the Holy Spirit keeps each child of God holy in body, soul, and spirit. This is the declaration we want to make to Volusia County. This is the declaration we want to make as a church so that people know where we stand. There's no confusion. I don't want people to come to church and be confused. I want them to have clarity that they can give their life to Christ and they can build their life on Christ. It doesn't mean it makes it easier or you're going to get everything you want, but you'll have a peace that passes all understanding. You'll have a joy in the midst of trial. You'll have a hope for the future. You'll have an understanding of the past and you'll have a purpose for the present. If that's what you want to declare today, I would like for us to consider coming together now and I will read, if you would read with me, this declaration of the church. Let's declare together. The word of God is our final authority in all things, and that our obedience to his word by the empowering of the Holy Spirit keeps each child of God holy in body, soul, and spirit. Amen. What an opportunity we have. Do you know how many people don't recognize the gift that God has for them right this moment? So many people are chasing after the wind. So many people are chasing after a carrot that doesn't even exist. And yet God has given us the privilege to share this good news. The privilege to share this gift. The privilege by grace all of us can be saved. Even the worst person you meet today can have a close, deep relationship with Christ for the rest of their life. But it's up to you. It's up to me. Will we live these declarations out? Will we, will we be ambassadors for Christ?